Hope you guys got your Bibles tonight. Yes, who's got a Bible tonight? Come on. Who doesn't have a Bible? Oh, got to bring your Bible to church, right? What's a Christian without a sword? Uh, <clears throat> man, I don't know. After, after worship, I'm like, man, I just, I just want to talk about Jesus. Just, just, you know, talk about the name of Jesus. Talk about, the, you know, the fact that there's power in the name of Jesus. You know, <sighs> Satan trembles at the name of Jesus, right? Demons tremble because of Jesus, not because of anything we do, but because of Christ who saved us. Amen. I don't know. I just want to. I just want to lift up Jesus. Uh, um, if, if you have a Bible, open up to Acts chapter nine. Acts chapter nine. Uh, and I just want to say that we are, you know, lately we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and you know, after Easter we've been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit, and that's good. And I think that we don't only need to talk about the Holy Spirit at, you know, one time of the year, but we should be, you know, constantly talking about the Holy Spirit, thinking about Him and experiencing Him, more importantly, right? Experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's, that's the important part. Um, and tonight I'm going to talk about that uh, kind of in a way. Uh, I want to talk about the process that the Holy Spirit does in our life and how He moves in us and how He changes us. I want to talk about change tonight. And uh, for a title, I guess it's, it's uh, Changes Today, Blessings Tomorrow. And um, I want to talk about how the Holy Spirit changes us. And so before, uh, you know, for me, this is, this is not only to, to you guys, this is to me first and foremost because I need this. And I think we all need this, right? There's never going to come a point where we say, oh, I don't need to change. We all need change, right? Amen? We all need to change. There's never a, a moment where you could say, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm pretty good. I, I, I don't need to change. I, 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 got, it. I got it pretty good. Uh, Christ already changed me enough. I'm saved. I'm born again. No, there's never such a moment. You know, we always are in a continual change. And I'm going to talk about that. Before we keep going, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this night, God. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for worship, God. I thank you that we can worship you tonight in spirit and in truth. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are with us, Lord, and I thank you that you are revealing Christ to us. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We praise you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Jesus, we thank you that you went on the cross, that you died for us, Lord, that you gave us life, that we can turn to you and there's power in your name. We thank you, Lord, that there's freedom, there's healing in your name. We thank you, Lord, that we can come before you, God, and that you always receive us, Lord. There's never a moment where you will reject us because you love us. Us, Jesus we thank you for your love we thank you Jesus that we can come to you Lord and as and if we open up our heart to you you will always receive us God we thank you for your mercy today Lord and we want to we want to praise you today with our hearts God we want to hear your word Lord allow your word to change us God I pray that your word would change me I pray that your word would do its work in my heart first and foremost we praise you today in the name of Jesus we pray amen amen <clears throat> All right, turn to Acts chapter, make sure you got Acts chapter 9. Uh, make sure your neighbor, if you're looking at your neighbor, say, you know, ask him if he's got Acts 9. If he doesn't, tell him to turn there. You know, make sure you guys, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's good, it's good when, you, when you can follow along with the Bible. You can, you can see what, you know, the Word of God with your own eyeballs. All right, and tonight I want to talk about change, and I want to talk about how God wants to change our life. There's never a moment 
where the Holy Spirit doesn't want to do something in us, right? There's never a moment where, where God is like, okay, now this person is good. No, the Bible shows us that God wants to, wants to bring us into full maturity, right? The Holy Spirit wants to bring us to a place where we are like Christ. That's his goal, right, for us. So our goal is not, um, you know, coming to church every day or every other day. That's not the goal. The goal is not, is not to, you know, know the Bible by heart, even though that's a good thing. The goal is not to, you know, have a, you know, read the Bible every, every day. That's a good goal, but that's not the goal that, that the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. The Holy Spirit wants us to make us like Christ. He, that's, that's, his, his, you know, that's his process that he works in us. And I want to talk about that today, that the Holy Spirit wants to do a process. And we're going to look at one person. We're going to look at Peter. Now, Peter was a very interesting person. You know, a lot of times I look at myself and I'm like, man, I kind of want to be more like Peter. I mean, not that, you know, of course I want to be like Christ, but I look at Peter and that's a person in the Bible that, you know, we can kind of relate to. And I like how Peter, he has a lot of good things about him. You know, he was the one that when the Holy Spirit fell and the people came, he was the one that started preaching, right? He was the one that got up and said, this was that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he just preached and 3,000 people got saved. I'm like, man, that is powerful. Like, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a, you know, man of God right there. And, you know, Peter had a lot of good things. He had a lot of bad things, too. You know, he had a lot of foolish moments where he would say things, and it's like, Peter, what are you doing? Just, you know, keep your mouth shut sometimes. But that's kind of, you got to take the good with the bad, right? And I don't know, does anybody see themselves like, man, I want to be like, like, you, you look at Peter, you're like, okay, I, I, I want to follow his example. Anybody like that? Like, I, I want to be kind of like Peter. You know, I don't know, I, I always, com- you know, if you ever compared yourself with somebody in the Bible, have you guys ever done that? You're like, man, I kind of like this person, and, and it's, it's, you know, I, I, I'm kind of like that with David. You know, David, he had a lot of good things. He had a lot of bad things, right? But he had a lot of good things, too. And I'm like, okay, he was the man after God's own heart. And for me, I kind of, you know, I, I look at that, I'm like, man, I, I kind of want to be like David. You know, he's a, he's a good man. Um, but, you know, the Bible shows us strengths of the, of the, of the Bible characters, shows us their weaknesses, right? There's actually two people in the Bible that don't have weaknesses, that the Bible never shows us their weaknesses. Do you guys know that? You guys know who, who it is? Elijah. Daniel. Daniel was one. Elijah. No, Elijah got, got scared of a woman. I mean, come on, what's up with that? <laughs> Joshua, no, Joshua had some weaknesses. He listened to the Gibeonites. Joseph, yes. Jo- Daniel and Joseph, there's no weaknesses. The Bible never records any weaknesses about them. But everybody, everybody else, the Bible does show their strengths and weaknesses. Um, and Peter, we're going to look at Peter tonight, but that was, it, he was a very interesting man. And uh, we're going to look at how God wanted to change him. God had to do something. And Peter had to unlearn something that was learned before. All right, Peter had to unlearn it. You guys ever happen where you get into a habit? Does that ever happen when you get into a habit and you have to unlearn a habit? You guys ever had that? Right. And, and I, you know, right now we, we well not right now, but two months ago we moved to a new place. And, you know, when you move into a new house, everything is in a different spot. Right. So, you, you know, for me, you know, I come into the bathroom and I'm always like the light switch is right here. And so I would, you know, I kind of go like this all the time to turn on the light switch. And the light, you know, when we moved, the light switch is way over there. So I'll come in the bathroom and I'll always go like this and there's nothing there. 
you know? And, and does anybody ever, you know, have that same thing? Or like, or like the drawers with the spoons and the forks? In our old house, it was on the left side, directly on the left side of the oven. In our new place, it's on the right side. And so I always open up the left side expecting a fork or a spoon or whatever, I, and so I have to go to the other side. You know, we're, we're creatures of habit, right? We have habits, and we kind of like to stick with them, right? And sometimes we got to unlearn certain habits. Like right now, I'm unlearning, I'm unlearning a, a very nasty habit. You know, sleeping all night. That, that's just a very nasty habit, and I'm having to unlearn that habit, you know? Actually, it's not really that bad. I always wake up and Adbina's like, you know, with, with, jo- with Johnny and, and, and she's changing him or whatever. And I'm like, okay, she's got it. And I just go back to sleep. So I got it easy. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there's, there's habits that we have to break, that we have to learn how to change because God wants to do something in us. And before God could do something in Peter, God had to make him unlearn something. And I'm going to show you what that is. So Acts chapter 9 at the very last verse. Actually, let me give you a background before we start. So Peter, uh, he went to different cities because the persecution happened and all of God's people scattered. They went to different cities. They went to, you know, they went everywhere because of Saul. Saul was persecuting the church. And so, you know, Christians went to different places and Peter went to go find his people, right? And and, uh, he went to Lydda where he prayed for a man named Aeneas, and he was eight years crippled. He healed him, went to Joppa, and he prayed for a woman named Tabitha, or in Greek, her name is Dorcas. Probably the, the, the Hebrew version is better than Dorcas, right? And he prayed for her. She raised from the dead, and she, you know, he prayed for her, and he stayed in Joppa. So he's in Joppa, and then it says, so it was when he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner. Now, how many of you guys know what a tanner is? You guys know what a tanner is? It's not someone that goes to the beach and, and tans. That's not, that's not what a tanner is. A tanner is someone that uh, works with animal skins, right? So they take, you know, a dead animal, they'll take the skin off, and they will uh, they'll hang it up to dry. They'll put it in water, in salt water. That's why he lived by the sea. He needed salt water. Uh, and so they'll, you know, beat uh, uh, the, the skin and or whatever the the fur, take the fur out and make it. It's I don't I don't really know the process, but something like that. And the leather, the leather softens, right? Or okay, yeah, it tans. It becomes okay, tanner, usable. There we go. And so that's what Simon the tanner did. He tanned, and Peter was staying with him. Now on the you know on the surface you think okay, what's the big deal? Well, think about it. He had a bunch of dead animals laying around, a bunch of skins, a bunch of, you know, or hanging out somewhere. And, and what, what was he, you know, he's Jew, he, he grew up in a Jewish culture. He's not really supposed to be around dead animals. It's against their custom, right? It's, it's not something that he's supposed to be doing. And so Simon, is, uh, you know, or Peter, He's, he's around these, this, and I would, you know, the Bible doesn't say this, but this is just kind of my interpretation, the, the, the DK version of this, of this story, uh, is that Peter did not really feel comfortable in, in, in this house. I don't think he felt comfortable, because later on we see that he said he, he ate no unclean thing. So he kind of kept to the Jewish customs, right? He kind of kept to it. I think he was uncomfortable in this house, and 
but the Holy Spirit was doing something in him. And I'll show you, and I'll show you why. So we're going to skip the story of, of, um, of Cornelius when he sees the vision of the angel. We'll go to chapter 10, verse 9. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up to the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven. And so Peter is on the rooftop, and he has a vision. Now, I'm not very surprised that he was hungry and he saw a vision. Okay, that's kind of, you know, when you're hungry and you're, you want to eat, and it's the sixth hour, which means that it was 12 o'clock, because it starts at 6 o'clock, that's when they start counting. So the sixth hour really was 12 o'clock, and Peter is hungry. And, I mean, he, saw, he sees a vision of food. You know, that's not, not really surprised about that. But then, you know, when he sees what's inside... What is it? It's, it's you know, the, the, you got the unclean animals, probably pigs or whatever is unclean, right? And so, and Peter says, not so, Lord. I'm not going to eat that. You know, I, it, it's kind of funny. This is the interesting part of Peter. This is, he's got this nerve where he likes to correct God. Have you guys noticed that? Peter likes to correct God. Remember when Jesus was, uh, when, when Jesus told them that, that he has to die and he's going to be handed over and he's going to, he's going to die and he's going to rise again. Remember what Peter said? You guys remember? No, not so. He, he, no, actually Peter said, never, Lord, this will never happen to you. Where does he find the nerve to correct Jesus and say, you know what, Jesus, actually you're wrong. You know, actually you're not supposed to die, okay? This, isn't, this doesn't fit with our plan of you being the Messiah. You know, you, Jesus, you need to find a new plan because this, this, is, this is not working. All right, Jesus, it's not going to work with, with my plans. You being the Messiah, I'm going to be your right-hand man, and we're going to take over the Roman Empire. We're going to, you know, that's, what, that was, that's probably what was going on in Peter's mind. And he's like, Jesus, you're going to die? No, you're not. You got, you got to rethink your plan. Even though right before he says, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. But yet he still decides to correct him. So he's got this thing in him. It's, it's kind of funny. that He's the only one in the Bible that does that. And he does it again here. He says, not so, Lord. You know, if, if we would have seen a, a sheet lay, you know, come down with all this food and God would say, rise, you know, rise, Dimitri, kill and eat. Probably say, yes, Lord. Yes, sir. Your servant is listening. You know, right? Your servant is, is waiting, <laughs> waiting for your command. <laughs> you know, and but Peter says, no, not so, Lord. This, 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 this isn't going to happen. I'm not going to eat it. Don't you know, Lord, that I can't eat this stuff. This is this is first grade. Lord, we're not supposed to eat this stuff. You're the one that told us. Don't eat it. But God was doing something in Peter. He was having him unlearn something that was, that was in his mind. And so what happens later? Uh, let's look at verse 17. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry 
for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? They said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from, a, from Joppa accompanied him. So now we see that Peter, not only does he invite them inside, which is completely not normal, they're not allowed to do that, he also travels with them. It's about a 40-mile walk from Joppa to uh, Caesarea. That's where they are going, to Caesarea. About a 40-mile hike or 40-minute walk, so it's about you know, a full day's walk. And so we see that Peter now, you know, first he stayed with Simon the Tanner. Now he is, um, he sees this vision. And he's like, wow, okay, I'm supposed to eat these unclean things. And then God says, the men that, are, that come, don't worry about it. You know, you, you have to go with them. Don't, don't doubt anything. So he says, okay, so he, he allows them inside the house and he goes with them. And then let's see what happens next. Verse 24. The following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them. And he called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet to worship him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up. I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. And he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for, Jewish, for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. See, so he's learning. He says, God has shown me something. So he's finally learning that God has, has whatever God has called, whatever God has cleansed, you know, don't call it common or unclean. He's finally figuring this out. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked them, for what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So, he, so I sent to you immediately. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth, and this is interesting. He says, and said, "In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears Him and works righteousness is accepted by Him." And another translation says, finally, I realize that if you fear God and you serve him with righteousness, God will accept you. So he says, I finally realize. You see how long it took Peter to realize this? It took him a lot. You see what the Holy Spirit led him. He led him through so many steps. But the, Peter finally realized that what God, what God wanted to do. He finally realized. And so after he preached... Verse 44 says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all, all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. And they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have just received the Holy Spirit? 
who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And so what happens is as soon as he mentions that there is forgiveness in the name of Jesus, right? He mentions that whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. The people listening, they, they realize that they can be saved. They have faith. God pours his spirit on them and something powerful happens. I don't know if you guys realize this, but if this had not happened, you and I maybe would not have been here today. If this had not happened, because up until that point, no Gentile believed in God, right? No Gentile believed in Jesus Christ. It was just a Jewish, kind of a Jewish sect. It was just a Jewish, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was just for Jews only. The, Peter was the first one that actually that, that thought of or that was led by God to go preach to a Gentile. It wasn't done before. And if he hadn't done this, who knows, maybe the Jewish community would have kept Christianity within their own you know, within their own doors. They might not have opened it up and maybe we wouldn't have been here today. Who knows? But something powerful happened, not just in their lives, but that affected millions and millions of people. And you see the process that the Holy Spirit led Paul through. It was a process. He started with something small and he worked. And, and I believe that Peter did not know what God was doing up until that point where we walked into the house and he realized what God was going to do right here. And this is, how can we apply this for ourselves? God has a process for us today. God wants to take us through a process. God wants to take us through something where he wants to change us, where he wants to do something in our lives. You know, the Holy Spirit, he wants to do something in your life. That's his, that's his role. He wants to bring you closer to Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit is, is doing. That's what he did in Paul, that's, or that's what he did in Peter. That's what he's been doing throughout the whole uh, history of, of, of Christianity, where he wants you to, to learn the word. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you how to serve. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you how to submit. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you how to humble yourself. He wants to teach you how to pray. There's so many things that the Holy Spirit wants to do. And for us to think that, well, as long as I get saved, as long as I can speak in tongues, everything's okay. You know, that's what people believe. As long as I can, you know, as long as I'm in the church, as long as I, you know, I get saved and I can speak in tongues, everything's okay. But that's just the start of it. That's just the beginning. There's so much more. There's so much more to Christianity. There's so much more to Christ to understand God. And it's not just, the, you know, this is just the beginning. But God wants to do so much more. And that's what the Holy Spirit was doing in Paul. He, he did something that, that, or sorry, in Peter. He did something in Peter that Peter didn't even realize what was happening. But that's what, that's what the Holy Spirit was doing. And today the Holy Spirit wants to do the same things in us. You know, He wants to do the same things in me and in you. He wants to change us, you know, from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from one level to the next. There's never a moment where we should, where we should be stagnant. Right? If we have a holy God, a living God living inside of us, there should always be change. Hopefully, when you look back, you know, let's say you, uh, you look back at the, at the previous year, and you see what God did in you, hopefully you see some changes. You know, hopefully you see something changed in your life, in your character. You know, not like, oh, I, I can do more push-ups now than I did a year ago. You know, who cares about that? You know, can, are you closer to God? Are you, are you, uh, have you been, been led by God to, to, you know, to, to, to help other people? 
Are you, are you more humble? You know, th there's so many changes that God is wanting to do in us. And we have to allow the Holy Spirit. Then, so we're talking about the Holy Spirit uh, tonight. And what do we have to do as Christians to, to, to have change in our life? What do we have to do? What did Peter do here? What do we see Peter did? There's something that he did. was He did not resist the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was doing something in him, and he had a choice. Either he could have said, no, this is weird, this is, this is new, uh, this is not what, the way that I grew up. Or he could have said, okay, whatever God wants to do. And I believe Peter, he's seen a lot. He's seen how Ananias and Sapphira, how they disobeyed the Holy Spirit. And they were slain in the Spirit, right? Peter, Peter saw that happen right in front of him. He saw what happens when you don't obey the Holy Spirit. And I know, I know that for him, he, he, maybe he wasn't sure of what was happening, but he knew that if I go along with whatever God is doing, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to, it's going to be good. Something's going to happen. And he allowed that. You see, we can so easily resist the Holy Spirit. So easily we can resist what he wants to do in our life. He wants to do something, and for us, we have to allow that. You know, I remember myself when one time I, there was a time when God was calling me to follow after Him. There was a time when the Holy Spirit was telling me and saying, saying Dennis, you need to leave behind your shallow Christianity. Leave behind your, your, your friends that are not, that are not uh, following me. Leave behind your shallow Christian life. Start going into, you know, start going deeper in, in, in God. Start, start really following God. And, and for me, that was like, man, I don't know. And I, there was a moment when I resisted the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've ever had that, where you've ever resisted the Holy Spirit. But it's the worst feeling when you live knowing that God wants you to do something and you live contrary to what He's telling you. You guys ever have that happen where you're living, you know the Holy Spirit wants you to do something. You know God is calling you to go somewhere, to do something, to stop, uh, you know, your way of life, to change. God wants you to do that. God wants you to leave the friends. God wants you to, to do something. You can feel it. You know it, but yet you resist it. You know, for me, that half a year, those six months, those, that was the worst time of my life. Because when you, are, when you know that you're not doing what the will of God is, you know, for your life, you know what it is and you're not doing it. That's a horrible feeling. Amen. That is just, that's not a good feeling. You know that. You're like, man, I'm missing something. But yet you don't want to give in. And we can so easily resist the Holy Spirit. And that's why Stephen, right, in a, a couple of chapters ago, actually we can, we can look at that verse. This is in uh, chapter 7, verse 51. Chapter 7, verse 51. Uh, this is what Stephen said when he was, he was uh, confronting the, 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 um, the high council. And he said, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. So that's what Stephen said to them. You resist the Holy Spirit, and that's your problem. You're resisting the Holy Spirit. That's why God can't do anything in you. You're resisting the Holy Spirit. You see, this is the... The question that God is going to ask every single person, I believe, is did you receive the Holy, or sorry, did you resist the Holy Spirit? Did you resist what the Holy Spirit wanted to do in your life? Did you accept it or did you resist it? Did you allow it into your life or did you resist it? This is going to be the thing that separates people. Romans 1, uh, Romans 1.18 
It says that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They suppress the truth. That means that they resist what God wants to do. They resist the voice of the Holy Spirit. And this is where the wrath of God comes on those people that are resistant. That say, you know what? I know what God's truth is. I know God wants me to do this. I can feel him speaking to me. I can feel him talking to me, but I'm going to resist it. I'm going to resist it with my heart. I'm going to resist it with my actions. I'm going to deny it. I'm going to, you know, suppress it. It says they suppress the truth. So you know it. The truth is right here, but you're just kind of like, I'm just going to sweep that under the rug, pretend it's not there. That is the danger of growing up in a Christian family. You know the truth, but yet you resist it. That's so dangerous. That's so, it's, you know, when we resist the, what, what God wants to do. In, in Hebrews, there's so many warnings in Hebrews. If you guys re- read Hebrews, it's a powerful book. And really, a lot of Hebrews, it, it's a warning. It's a warning about resisting God. And it says in chapter 3, it says that as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did, this is why I was angry with that generation and said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See, Israel resisted God. And that's why they were all, you know, buried in the wilderness. They resisted the voice of the Holy Spirit. How dangerous for us to resist what God is doing, to resist what God wants to do. Because God is always doing something in us. No matter if you're in the church, no matter if you're in the world, He's always doing something in you. He's always, his, that's, that's what God loves every single person so much that He is calling them and He's telling them, no, come to God. Every person that is not saved, every person that rejects God. It's not that, you know, they never heard enough or they didn't have enough teaching or, or they didn't have the right environment. Every person will be held accountable because of the fact that they resisted the voice of God. They resisted. They knew what it was, but yet they resisted. They knew what the truth was. They knew what they had to do, but yet they resisted. That's, that's going to be what God is going to ask for us one day, is did you resist or did you accept? Did you, allow, uh, did you allow what God wanted to do? See, here's a lie that today a lot of Christians believe, is that we have to wait on God for things. We got to let God do everything. Have you guys ever heard that? Just let God do it for you. Don't worry about it. You can't do anything. Let God do it. Let God do it for you. This is a very Calvinistic kind of a teaching where it's not dependent on us. It's dependent on God. Just let God do it. You know, don't, don't try because if you try, that means that that's self-effort and God hates self-effort. So don't try. Now, what this breeds is, is, this, is this spirit of passivity. You know, you become passive. You don't respond and you're like, oh, I'm just going to wait for God to do something. I'm just going to wait for God to, to change me. I'm just going to wait for God to do something in me. I don't have to do anything. I'm, you know, I'm waiting for God. And that is a lie that's going to send many people to hell because they believe that, well, I don't have to do anything. And so they wait for God to do something. And that's a danger. Why? Because God is waiting for us. See, it's, it's, it's dependent on both. God does His part and we do our part. God speaks to us, He calls us, and we have to respond. The response is our part. You know, let's say a person is, 
you know, they lived in sin and they stand before God and God's going to say, you know, and they, they, they come to, they have to give an account for what they did. God's not going to say, hmm, you know, you sinned a lot, but because I didn't do anything in you, I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to judge your sins and leave you to go free. God's not going to say that. God's going to punish people for committing the sins. He's not going to let people go free because, well, God, you didn't do what you were supposed to do in me. No, God's, God is, we are responsible for our own actions. We are responsible for what we, for our response to God. That, that's our part. You know, don't, don't allow that lie that, oh, I don't have to do anything. No, it's, we have to be, uh, like, like in Revelation says, be zealous and repent. That's our part. Never think that, oh, it's God's got to do something in me. No, it's, it's our part. We have to repent. We have to respond to God and we have to come to Him. And God, that's how God works with every single person. And, you know, one of the things that, that the way that we can resist the Holy Spirit is with sin. Sin that we are compromised with. Compromised sin. And what is sin? Sin is whatever you, you know is wrong and yet you do it. Compromised sin. That is what will keep us away from God, is when we allow compromised sin in our life. We allow, we know this is wrong, but yet we say, well, everyone's doing it. It's okay, it's fine. You know, the problem with, with today, with the 21st century, we have these, you know, these things called phones, right? Or, or you know, this, these gadgets, people call them gadgets, right? And, you know, what's cool about them is if, let's say I want to go to a restaurant in Portland, right? So I go to open up Google Maps, and I type in this restaurant, and, you know, I hit navigate, and it'll tell me exactly what the distance is, you know, how long it's going to take me to get there, what the traffic is like. It's going to tell me what's the rating of the, of the restaurant. It's going to tell me, you know, what kind of food they serve, you know, how many people are there, is it busy or not. I can even leave a rating if I want. You know, we have so much at our fingertips with phones, with, you know, social media. There is so much at our fingertips. But at the same time, it's, it's kind of nice, right? It's, it's nice to have all these things. But at the same time, there's such a responsibility on us to not abuse these things that we have. Because we can, you know, honestly, I, I was thinking about this. You know, did you realize that a phone can send a person to hell? Did you guys realize that a phone, just having a phone can send a person to hell? Because we can view anything we want on there. The world is, you know, at our fingertips. Such a danger. It's such, a, such a, um, a good thing, right? Because we can, you know, things are so quick. We can read anything we want to. We can, you know, I, I want to read about, you know, polar bears or whatever. And you, you, you type in, you know, polar bears. And you can read everything that you want. You can, you can study about any subject. And you can, you can learn it in, in half an hour, right? That's, that's, the, that's the benefits. But there's so many consequences. And I want to, you know, I just want to make this... It's really clear that we are responsible for the things that we have. And we have to be careful with what we have, with, you know, the things, especially today. Man, it's really, you know, I, I watched a couple of videos last or this week about churches. And they're, what they're doing is they're playing unchristian music, like music where if you look at the video, there's, you know, half-naked girls dancing in the video. But they're singing those songs in the church, like the whole church is singing the song. I was shocked when, when I saw that. But today we're living in a world where the fear of God is very lost. It's lost in many churches, right? The fear of the Lord. Why is it lost? You know, I was kind of thinking about this. It's kind of my, my theory. So it's, you know, my opinion. Um, but 
I have the microphone, so I'm going to say it anyways. There's, today, if I, you know, okay, let's do this. I'm going to give you guys a, a, a sentence, and I want you guys to uh, answer the last letter, or the last word of the sentence, all right? So I'm going to give you guys a couple words, and you have to fill in the blank. Don't say it out loud, just say it, you know, to yourself. Okay, you ready? God is blank. Now, don't say it out loud. Think about it. Think about it. God is, what's that word that you would put for God? Okay? I want you to take a moment and think about it. All right? God is blank. Now, I hope you guys all have a word. All right? And who, okay, who, who, who's got a word in, the, in their mind? Raise your hand. All right. Okay. So, God is, now let me see, raise your hand if you said God is mercy. Nobody. God is forgiveness. Anybody? Nobody? Okay. God is love. All right. About 10 people. All right. God is compassion. Nobody? Okay. Um, what are some other? God is merciful. I already said that. Uh, what are some other ones? God is holy. Who said God is holy? All right. About the same amount of people as for God is love. God is Lord. Okay, God is mighty. A couple of people. All right. God is just. Oh, so God, God can be a lot of things, right? But what's interesting is if you go to the street and you ask any random person on the street to, you know, ask him to fill in the blank, which one are they going to say? God is love. Yes, exactly. People are going to say God is love. It's, it's very interesting that, you know, a lot of people say God is love and God is love. You know, let's not, let's not get that wrong. God is love. Uh, and, and actually, if you look at the Bible, the main theme, right, of the Bible is that God loved the world. God has a redemption plan for, for us, and he saved us through Jesus Christ. That is the main theme, right, is God's love for us. So God's love, God's mercy, uh, is, is the, is, it's, a, it's a thread that runs through the whole Bible. But who is God? Not what does God do or how does he respond to us, but who is God? That's a different question. And look, if you look at the Bible, for the most part, what does the Bible say? God is holy, right? You know, what do the angels say when they're bowing before God? When, they, when the cherubim and the seraphim, when they cover themselves with the wings, what do they say? Do they say, merciful, merciful, merciful is the Lord God Almighty? Do they say, kind, kind, kind? No, what do they say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When God was talking to Israel and he said, this is who I am, what did he tell him? He said, I am holy. Therefore, be holy because I am holy, right? That's how God would always uh, show himself in the Bible. He is holy. There's actually one time in the Bible does it say that God is love. And that's at the very end of the Bible in the book of 1 John. And it's only, it only says it one time. And he kind of repeats the thought again. That God is, is love. That's the only time it says that in the Bible. So for the most part, it says that God is holy. That's what the Bible talks about for the most part. And I believe, now this is, this is my opinion. I believe that if churches started more, more focusing on what the Bible talks about, that God is holy, I believe that we would see more of the fear of God. Because people would not misappropriate the love of God. Because a lot of times people say, oh, God is love. Oh, God loves me. And they don't realize that this love is misplaced love. They don't realize, they think that they're, they're owed love, that God owes, you know. And no, God doesn't owe us anything. But God loves us so much because 
you know, Jesus Christ came to the earth. That's why God loves us. But, but when, we, when we have to understand who is God, we have to understand that, first of all, He is holy before we can understand. Because if you don't have a revelation that God is holy, you can't have a revelation that God is love. You need to understand holiness before you can understand why God loves you and who God really is, how God is love. It really helps us to understand the love of God in the right perspective. That's what, you know, that, and I believe that if we really got back, you know, got to the biblical definition of God, you know, because our knowledge of God or how we view God uh, will dictate how we live. Right. If if you know God as a, you know, all, all you know, God as God is giving. God wants to give. God wants to give. Well, then you're going to like prosperity preaching, which says everyone should have a mansion and a car and, you know, a pool and a pond or whatever in, in, in their backyard. You know, that's that, that's the kind of teaching that, that that you'll hear if you think that God or that you'll want to hear if you think that God is, you know, God just wants to give. But this is this is what we we have to understand who God is. We have to understand his holiness. And you know how we open up to God. And you know, I'm, I'm talking about, uh, you know, how we can not, not to resist the Holy Spirit. And you know how we open up ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Because in order for us to change, we have to be open to the Holy Spirit. We have to be in prayer and worship. All right, we have got to stay in prayer and worship. Real prayer and worship. Because worship you know, I was just thinking about this. I, I, you know, Dima was, was talking about this right after worship. I'm like, man, Dima, this is what I was going to talk about later today. You know, you're, you're just sharing right before I do. But worship is so powerful because it connects you to God. It connects you to the Holy Spirit. You, you are connected when you are worshiping. You know, when you, when you, when you pray or when, when you worship God and you say, isn't the name of Jesus powerful? And you just meditate on the name of Jesus. And you just meditate on who God is. And you meditate on the love of God. And you meditate on, on, on God's holiness. And you think about everything that God did for you. You know, just thinking about it when you worship and say, God, you are so good to me. Jesus, thank you so much for what you did. Jesus, where would I be without you? You know, because a lot of times we so easily tend to forget what God did for us, right? We, we so easily, we focus on our problems, right? You guys notice that? We focus on problem A, and then, and then we, you know, once that's solved, we go to problem B, and, we, and you know, we, that's, that's how we do things, right? We, we, we go through problems, one problem, then another problem. But in worship, it really, that's when we connect to God. We get our mind off of the problem, we connect, and we say, God, thank you so much for what you did. Thank you so much, God. And, you know, today there's, there's honestly, I, I, you know, kind of observing the, the whole worship thing, and I, and I was thinking about this this week, how a lot of people, they are worshiping God, but it's very emotionally driven, you know, and, and a lot of our worship today is very based on emotions, and a lot of it is, you know, you see the lights, you see the, the, the people dancing, and, and it's all this, you know, kind of this show, and people, it looks like people are worshiping God, but really, we can't, you know, when you, when, when you really just think about it, you break it down, we can't worship God with our, just our emotions, we got to worship Him in our spirit. Right? We gotta worship him in spirit and in truth. And you know, I always ask myself this question. If you know, if I if I'm worshiping God and, and you know there's the music and you kind of so easily you can fall into this kind of this false sense of worship where you're really worshiping the spirit of worship and not really worshiping God. And the way that I always test it is is I always ask myself, would I do this at home? Like like if I'm by myself, I'm in my room and I'm worshiping God, do I do this at home? You know, let's say I'm jumping up and whatever. Do I do this do I do that at home? 
If not, I'm just, I'm just in it for the, for just, you know, for the corporate experience. That's really what it's all about. It just, it's, a, it's just a moment where you know, I kind of play this role that I'm worshiping God. But we need to ask ourselves, do we do that at home? And that's where worship should be. Worship should be from the heart. Worship should be in spirit and in truth. That's what Jesus said. Those are true worshipers. When we worship God in spirit and in truth. And so for us, if we want to see change in our life, we, want, we have to open up our heart to God in worship. Right? we got to wor- open up our heart in worship to God and, and thankfulness for what He did for us. It's such a powerful thing when we open up our heart to God, when we, when we really pour out our heart in, in thankfulness. And prayer, man, prayer is such a powerful weapon. Listen, prayer is such a powerful weapon. I was thinking about this last week. Actually, last Friday, I went home and I was just thinking about this, how prayer, you know, we have the armor of God. And a lot of times we focus on the shield. We focus on, you know, we, we focus on the equipment right we focus on the sword focus on the art on the on the breastplate on the helmet you know because they're things but at the end of the armor it says and pray in the spirit on all occasions and it gives like three sentences on prayer more than on anything else and i and i realized prayer is the most powerful weapon that we can have jesus said to his disciples pray that you will not fall into temptation for this because the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak Prayer is what allows us to walk with God, allows change in our life. It's prayer. You know, when I see somebody praying, and I know they're really praying, they're going to be okay, right? So I, I, I was thinking, man, it's like a rhyme. When you pray, you'll, you'll be okay. Prayer is what connects us to God and allows us to, to have a, a, a walk with the Holy Spirit where God is changing us. Only in prayer. Listen, there's so many powerful things that happen to my life the most powerful things happen in prayer. Not during preaching, not during a sermon, not during anything else. Prayer. A prayer is what is those moments when we change. Right? If you guys are thinking, man, I want to change. I want to continue to change in my life. Well, I want to tell you, pray. Never stop praying. Never get to a place where you're like, eh, you know, I'm just kind of prayer. It's kind of boring. No, our religion, you know, Christianity should never become a mental religion should never become a mental religion where all we do is we, we you know, it's, it's just, okay, I believe the Word of God, and I read the Bible, and I just say my prayers, Lord, bless the food, and help me today on my math homework, even though I didn't study. Lord, help my parents, you know, help my parents at work. And it's just kind of this mental prayer. No, we got to have a prayer where we are passionate for God, where we are pursuing God, where we are opening up our heart and, and really saying, God, change me. God, you know, that's where we are not going to resist the Holy Spirit is when we, in prayer we open up our hearts. When we open up our, our, our you know, our, you know our, our innermost beings have to be open to God. And so I want to say this. God wants to work in us. See, God worked in Peter. And Peter, listen, Peter was already, I mean, he already preached a sermon and got 3,000 people saved. And he needed the Holy Spirit to work in him, right? He needed the Holy Spirit to take him from point A to point Z, I guess, right? From the beginning to the end. And a lot of times we try to skip that process. We try to go, okay, God, you know, don't, you know, I, we, we, we try to go just from straight from A to Z, where there's all the letters in the, in the middle, right? A, B, C. The Holy Spirit wants to take us from point A to point B to C to and on and on and on. And He wants to do something in our life. A lot of times we think, man, God, I just want you to do something powerful in me. The Holy Spirit wants to start small. He wants to start, he wants to start with little things. And He wants to change us. 
He wants to, he wants to continue. And I believe that all of us, we want to change because change is good. Without change, we become stagnant. We become stale. Our Christianity becomes boring, religious, right? And that's why we need to continue to change, continue to work, uh, continue to, to press in to God. And I want to pray right now. I want to leave time for prayer because prayer is, like I was saying, prayer is the place where we are open before God. And I want us right now just to open up our hearts. Let's stand up right now. We're going to pray to God and we're going to, we're going to ask that the Holy Spirit, He would continue to change us, that He would change us today. And maybe you have something you say, God, I want, it. I want you to change this in me. I see this. Lord, I, I need changes here. Just open up your heart right now to the Holy Spirit. Just open up your heart. Say, God, I'm not, Lord, I don't want to resist you. I don't want to resist you in my life. I don't want to resist what you want to do. Maybe God seems so far from you right now. Maybe the Holy Spirit seems so far and you're like, man, God, I don't know where you are. You, you're, I don't know where, where I'm going. Just ask the Holy Spirit to, to do something in your life. Say, God, I, I'm tired of resisting you. I'm tired of resisting you with my mind, with my thoughts, with my actions, with my, with my decisions. I don't want to resist your working in my life. I want to open up my heart to you.